0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: The Chicago Bears add another win against the New York Giants in a 14-19 game that, especially by the end, felt just a little bit closer than you might have liked. I bring on WCG's own EJ Snyder to help me talk through the game, the highs, the lows, and everything else in between, on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, Bears fans, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, on this, the Windy City Gridiron podcasting network and i am joined here today by ej snyder the other bears over beers co-host which of course jeff burkus had joined us last week and finally we get to talk about another bears win and it's not against a backup quarterback this time this time it's against daniel jones and the new york giants who fell to the bears 14 to 19 in a game at home that hey look the bears won and ej and i'll get into the thick of it i'm sure we'll have uh we'll have some not so nice things to say and some positive things to say about the Bears. But EJ, more importantly, on this Sunday afternoon, how are you doing today? You know,
2: Bears win is a Bears win. NFL wins are hard to come by. It doesn't really matter who they're against. I think we'll all agree that the Giants are a, a bottom feeder team in the NFL right now. But doesn't matter. If you lose to a bottom feeder team, everybody piles on. And uh, you're supposed to
1: beat those teams. The Bears did. And so I'm all right. No kidding. One thing that I thought was really funny about the game in general was I kept having these little moments where I would look at the game and I would say, "Oh boy!" Especially near the end. Let me be clear: when the Bears went from a 19 to 7 lead down to a 19 to 14 lead on one of the better throws I've seen Daniel Jones make, um, as well as a misplay by Eddie Jackson. But who knows? Maybe we'll get into that later. But so that goes down the bears uh i think that was when they punted up no yes so they punt on offense goes back to daniel jones and i remember saying to myself goodness if the bears lose this game that's that's really bad and then almost immediately they closed up shop and uh forced the giants off on fourth and four and we all shrugged our shoulders and said oh okay it's over and exactly like you're saying, exactly like you're saying, uh, for a bear season that has just been a cavalcade, an avalanche of disappointments, this game buttoned itself up more the way that it was supposed to go than not. And at some point, you got to count your stars and say, I'll take that. I'll take that today. Five and six is much better than four and seven. Yeah,
2: I mean, again, nobody played great today on either side of the ball. The Giants certainly had more opportunities than they took advantage of. The Bears as well. Um, there were some misplays in there. We'll we'll talk about some of the, the strategy and the sort of game calling, which has been a, a naggy question mark throughout the year. But at the end of the day, Bears made more plays than the Giants. They did it at home. It's a nice day for football. They sewed up a win they should have had. Um, I'm kind of happy-sad about it. I'm happy that they beat the Giants <laughs> for sure. Um, but at this point, it's a lost season. You're not going to the playoffs. I'd rather win than lose. But at the same time, hey, you know, uh, it's it's a mixed card. If they if they end up losing a bunch, the Raiders get a really nice first round pick. If they end up winning a bunch, um, their their second round pick and on is not as good. So it's it's half and half at this point. I'd rather see them win than lose. Um, but there's definitely a little bit of a. You know, you could tank and pick up better position anyways. So, um,
1: just good to see a bears win on a nice sunny Sunday. I think that's what's so funny about this year because I've thought about the same thing, e j. There's no sense in losing the the bears bottomed out and went four and 12 that helps the Raiders it doesn't really help us I mean yes theoretically it moves us up and it gets us a better second round pick and you and I could both agree that having the 30 let's say the 38th pick in the draft is definitely very different than having the 52nd pick in the draft but is that worth all of the media attention and all of the negativity that would surround the Bears losing all of their games I'm gonna be honest probably not I mean, especially given that we are drowning in this quarterback versus head coach conversation and controversy, it's nice to see the Bears pull a win out, though, like you said, and I want to get into this first, I found this game hilarious because this was a game in which, I mean, really, really funny, EJ, because there were moments where I went, hey, that was really good on Matt Nagy's part, and other points where I said, oh man, I don't know about that one, Nagy there were some points where Mitch Trubisky made some really fabulous throws. The one that got called back on that white hair penalty, that was a really neat throw. The one that uh, set up Allen Robinson's other 50-yard bomb, uh, that was that was great, too. The touchdown throw that he had to Allen Robinson, that one wasn't all that great a throw. It was actually probably a little behind him. Not to mention, obviously, both interceptions were, um, let's say, lacking uh on the as far as a throw goes it was funny because this game really was one where everybody showed their colors i mean the line got some solid protections and they also had some major issues especially on the penalties front uh and i already talked about quarterback and coach and the defense had some up and down moments what did you think did anybody stand out to you or was it just a mixed bag throughout uh, it seemed like for every step they took forward, there was one
2: back and that was largely penalties. Uh, every time it seemed like there was a really positive play, you'd look at that little corner of the screen, or at least I would in the bar. And sure enough, here comes that yellow flag. And it's like, of course the, the bears just can't have nice things. Um, and that was, that was a fault of penalties, but, um, there was a, There was a bunch. I'll give Ogletree his credit, his due on that interception. Could Mitch have thrown it a little bit higher? Yeah. Ogletree's a very tall, rangy linebacker. He jumped up and got that ball. It looked open when Mitch threw it, especially from the quarterback position. He made a nice play on the ball. I'm not going to fault him that. Uh, You know, could Mitch have put a little bit more air under it? Maybe, but he's aiming at the back of the end zone, too. If he'd he'd airballed it over the receiver's head, nobody would have liked that either. So... It's a pretty thin line. Ogletree made a good play on the ball. Am I disappointed that he caught it? Sure. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's the NFL. Professional football players make professional football plays, and, and Ogletree made one there. It was a good it was a good toss. But other than that, a lot of up and down. The protection was decent today for Mitch. Um, the run blocking was not tremendous. There were not a lot of holes there for David Montgomery or, or Tariq Cohen. And... You know, they took advantage of a few early, and I thought, oh, they're going to pop some, and it really shut down the Giants, kind of lined that up, closed down the running lanes, and really shut down the run offense in general. So, y- you're right, mixed bag, some really good stuff, some really sort of, huh, stuff, and I think that's sort of par for the course with the Bears
1: season this year. It really has been. I mean, the main to- throw that when it comes to questioning Mitch, if there was one, Um, besi- look, I'm not trying to nitpick. Of the two interceptions, the second one, I had to go back and rewatch to try to figure out what he might be trying to do. But look... I tend to think that we don't need to spend too much time on Mitch because Mitch has been talked about ad nauseum. And I'm going to be honest, this game against the Giants probably wasn't going to change anybody's perception one way or another. It was neat to see some of the finer parts of Matt Nagy's offense, certainly the catch and run parts start to actually work because there's been almost none of that this season, though I will say that on the penalties front, because you talked about this, oh my goodness, there's a part of me that thinks that Matt Nagy and the whole Bears offense, frankly, was just broken down in that second half of the second quarter after that big play got taken off the board. It kind of looked like they didn't recover until the third quarter, uh, which. Obviously not great, but hey, that's how it goes. You're right. NFL players make NFL plays. It can be easy to forget that uh, the other team is paid professionals, just like your guys. Uh, Even though you look back and you you see a a drop like what Ben Broniker had, and you ask yourself, "Oh boy,
2: (laughs) don't talk to me about that." I I'm a Broniker fan. I I love the guy. It's a great story. He's a tremendous athlete. I. I really hoped that he would take advantage of his chance, but holy crap that oh, his guy falls off the line. He's open by 10 yards, 12 ball hits him right in the hands at worst. Even if he gets tackled right away, he's at the three and instead they go right back to the 30 because he just flat out mits it and can't hang on and jeez was i pissed at that particular moment so i like ben he's a tremendous special teamer great player happy to see him stay on the bears but oh wow that was such a swing
1: play oh yeah i mean it's funny i'll I'll pull somebody out of history uh at that moment that was a great point for ben broniker to step into more of that Rashid davis role that we saw rasheed <laughs> davis in years and years ago where when when people got hurt Rasheed Davis stepped in, reminded everybody, hey, I can play a little bit of receiver and became extra more or like even more useful to the Bears at that time. Again, I know I'm pulling a name back from a while ago, but that was a moment where <laughs> I don't know if this is what you thought, EJ, because I'd been pretty high on Broniker. He'd been getting open on man routes. He was he seemed like he was available to potentially, I mean, at least produce in the wake of having no tight ends at all on the roster. Uh, but that drop was one of those where it reminds you. Ah, crap, the Bears do need a tight end, huh? (laughs) Uh,
2: That one hurt really bad. I, I want Broniker to succeed. I don't expect him to succeed, given his draft pedigree, where he came from in college and everything else. It would be a great story if he did. But I've been harping on the fact for a couple of months now that the lack of a tight end is really, really hurting this offense. Mm -hmm. And I've taken a little bit of flack about that. People tend to lean on, oh, the O-line's a bigger problem. Oh, the play calling's a bigger problem. This, that, the other thing. A play like that clearly illustrates that with this offense, if you get the tight end open in the middle— That play, look, it's a 27-yard difference. That's a quarter of the field. It sets the Bears up with a first and 10 on the Giants three early in the game. Sets the tone in a completely different way. If they've got a guy like O.J. Howard who's just wasting away in Tampa, he catches that ball. Maybe he bowls over the guy and scores. Maybe not. They set up shop on the two. It's looking pretty good with a back like David Montgomery to score a touchdown there. Really set the tone at home and sort of, you know, the win probability goes way up at that point. So the Bears lacking a tight end, any tight end that seems to be able to do anything, is a big deal. It's probably
1: number two on the roster behind quarterback right now in terms of uh, personnel questions. You know, that's what I've been saying on Twitter, and I'm glad that you bring that onto the show because it's really worth talking about. You know, there's a one of the things that I think we ought to be critical about Matt Nagy about right now. But uh, look. I take I take heat for this. I don't think Matt Nagy's play calling is quite as big a problem as his uh, as scheme adjustments right now, even though the Bears, to be perfectly honest or to be to make sure that we are fair and balanced here. The Bears, I saw a stat today that said that they are actually top 10 in the league in third quarter points, which is it's it's weird, right? I see your face and it's a little strange, but huh? (laughs) <laughs> Generally speaking, that's the mark of a solid adjusting offense, which is, you know, obviously weird. Uh and who knows? Maybe I I'll go back and watch the tape on that, but taking that stat for what it is, I it's worth pointing out that in Matt Nagy's scheme, which he has been pretty stubborn about sticking with, the tight end is supposed to be the position taking advantage of the whole middle of the field because In that tight end spot, you have a guy who's a little bit too big to be covered by a conventional DB, but he's a little bit too fast to be covered by a conventional linebacker, so you almost need a specialized position that's going to stick with him, but more than likely, in most people's defense, you're going to have to cover him with some kind of deficient player. Uh, That's where we go back and we see guys like Zach Ertz in the Bears game against Philly, who... He got Kyle Fuller's number plenty of times, and he was drawing Kyle Fuller. Like, that's who the Bears thought they needed to cover this tight end with. And, I mean, this Chicago team doesn't have one of those, and you can you can blame Matt Nagy or at least criticize Matt Nagy for continuing to call an offense that – EJ, you might agree with me, needs a tight end of some caliber. And he's kind of going, it's it's like, you know, fighting with your right hand tied behind your back. But even so, that Broniker play was a wonderful example, I mean, of the opportunities that get open just from the tight end position at all. Uh, and it was rough to see that dropped. Segwaying through drops, because the Bears' drops have been just, I mean, they've been a story in and of themselves this season. I am becoming surprised. I'm going to say something you might be surprised to hear me say here, uh, EJ. I'm surprised that Matt Nagy is still playing Taylor Gabriel. I mean, this is a guy who is Mm. such an obvious cut candidate that given that over the last, I would say, four weeks, and I'm spitballing here, he's he's had more drops than just about anybody on the team. And he's such a clear, if not likely cut candidate for next season. It does surprise me with Javon Wims and Riley Ridley having right or sat on the bench primarily this season, that he's not out of the picture, that the Bears aren't starting to make those decisions. Like you said, I mean, yes, they're mathematically not out of the playoff race yet, but come on. And so with that in mind, I'm surprised like Anthony Miller heated up late in the game and he's obviously had his, let's say his ups and downs to just skip that conversation this season but hey at least he's shown promise in terms of what he could theoretically bring to the bears if he can get some of his scheme issues ironed out that's really good but taylor gabriel i mean if he's not going to be a part of the plan going forward then i'm starting to wonder why he's still in the game plan what do you think
2: It is a little bit surprising to me, not necessarily even based on Gabriel's play, but where he is on the roster, where he is in the salary cap. Uh, they, They stole Ridley Ridley this year in the draft. He was picked later than a lot of people thought he should be. Obviously, Calvin's little brother, very good hands. Um, Makes me wonder what they're seeing or not seeing out of Ridley in practice that keeps him not only on the bench, but on the inactive roster. So he's not even going to be on the field. So he's on the 53, but he's, he's not on the 47 they're choosing for active game day. So it's a bit odd to me that given the Bears season is pretty much in the toilet and they're not going to the playoffs, or at least they have an infinitesimally small chance of making it that they're not giving a guy like Riley Ridley meaningful snaps to get some development there. Because just if for no other reason to see what you've got, because if it turns out that Riley Ridley's a dud, then keep Taylor Gabriel by all means. He's signed after this year and and you can make that work if Riley Ridley shows any promise and you think he's going to develop through OTAs and through preseason, then yeah, Taylor Gabriel's gone. But if you haven't given him any meaningful game action, you're not going to know that. So it's a bit odd to me that Riley Ridley hasn't cracked um, the active game day roster. I mean, Jesper Horstead just called up from the practice squad this year. Uh, You know, this week it's on makes a catch. And that makes a ton of sense to me. Like, let's see the tight end position as we just talked about is pretty bereft of talent let's see if we've got anything with this Horsted guy that might develop same thing with ridley in a slightly more stacked room obviously the wide receiver room but if you don't think gabriel is worth the money going forward look he had a great season last year he has he's had an okay season this year um if you ask me who i'm going to keep between him and miller i'm probably going to keep miller Uh, it's close, but I'm probably going to keep Miller and then let's see what we've got behind that. And they haven't done that yet. So it's a bit confusing to me. Makes Mm -hmm. me wonder if they've seen something in practice that we haven't or, or waiting to see something in practice that we haven't from Riley Ridley. Um,
1: we don't know that, but it seems a bit odd at this point of the year. I agree with that. Uh, Look, I'm not trying to be some kind of table banger for like, let's turn the page. Let's get to 2020 immediately. I understand that Taylor Gabriel played a really big role in the 2018 bears, frankly. And yeah, that hasn't shown up in 2019, but to be honest, uh, Neither did 2018 Mitch Trubisky this year. So look, I get it. Uh, but at this point, the drops are certainly starting to they're They've gone from, Oh my goodness. I can't believe he dropped that too. You gotta be kidding me. Gabriel, you dropped that again. Uh, I know he had a nasty lions drop. Could have been a first down. Wasn't he had two against the Rams. He has another one today that I believe was over the yellow line, so to speak. Uh, but it's just, it's just been a different season in that regard. Uh, And I will ask you, did you have any thoughts on the defense before we jump into that?
2: Um, Defense looked, again, pretty solid today. They don't give up a ton of points. Um, They're going against a very talented back in Saquon Barkley, who frankly looked a little bit off today. Had a drop in the passing game on a wide open sort of wheel route. Yeah, he could have picked up 20, 25 there pretty easily. Um had a couple of nice spin moves, slipped a couple tackles, but you're going to get that with a guy like Saquon Barkley. You're not going to you're not going to completely bottle him up. In general, I thought they did a really nice job of limiting him and putting the game back in in Daniel Jones's lap, and he didn't really take advantage of it. I'm just looking at the stats now. It's funny when you watch the game live and then you go back and look at the stats. If I asked you who had more passing
1: touchdowns today, who would you say,
2: Uh, Jones or Trubisky?
1: You know, I can't answer that honestly because I'm also staring at the stats, but I I agree. Trubisky seemed like he had more opportunities in the end zone. Yeah, and
2: Jones comes out uh, with two touchdowns, Mitch with one, Um, more completions, Trubisky by only four. 25 to 21 and jones was more efficient uh well not exactly 21 of 36 versus 25 of 41 so really similar percentage but mitch ends up with a lot more yards 278 versus 150 of course Mitch, mitch picks up the two picks um not great but um geez how about broniker with that Tip ball. We forgot to talk about that with Broniker. Oh, no. oh my god, it's not volleyball, right? You don't you don't pop that thing up like a setter and hope a hitter comes to get it. You knock it down or you catch it. Um, so that was that was not great. But if you look at the line, it's it's a little bit different in terms of yardage, but it's really not that different in terms of effectiveness. So neither quarterback played great. But on the defense, um, uh, there were a couple things that stood out. They played Saquon Barkley really well. They put the Joe, they put the game back in Daniel Jones lap. Um, Prince Amukamara had a really rough day yes. and I, you know, I've been kind of, everybody's like, Oh no, the bears are set at corner. And I'm like, not exactly not, not at boundary corner. Prince of is not the answer outside. He's, he's a guy that you pay when you don't have anybody else there. Um, Another thing that makes it really interesting that a guy like Duke Shelley is not getting meaningful reps right now again to see what you've got to see if that's a meaningful player in the secondary going forward um, linebackers played pretty well they got beat a couple times uh, they also got away with a few and. Um, Nick Kwiatkowski got a play in pass coverage, which, you know, made me sit up and almost cheer at the bar because what the hell's happening if Nick Kwiatkowski makes a play in (laughs) pass coverage? Um, Roquan Smith was right there on a couple. So generally I think, again, they played well enough to win, which is a thing in the NFL regardless if it's the Giants or not. So... Defense I wouldn't see as the larger problem today. They they definitely got their hand showed on a couple of issues that they have. Mukamara's one. Um, HaHa Clinton-Dix played really real today. That's yes, he a, did. That's a thing to bring up is he's played pretty solidly all season. He was in the mix today like Eddie Jackson was against the Rams. Eddie Jackson had his day against the Rams. HaHa Clinton-Dix had his day today.
1: Something's going on with Eddie Jackson to to be, in my opinion, anyways, and I think a lot of it has to do with usage, both him and uh, Prince Mukamura. I'll bring I'll bring this up. I want to hear what you think, uh, because unfortunately, I haven't had the, enough time to catch the last couple bears over beers. So I don't know if you've already talked about it with the Eddie Jackson fan that is Jeff Burkus, but. One thing that I think has really killed Prince of Mukamura is that Chuck Pagano continues to drop him into that deep zone, cover three sort of look, and he is, he's not built for that. I mean, he's a man corner so through and through that when he gets assigned to that zone responsibility, he usually gives something up. Not to mention, in the world of uh, our safeties, it seems as if Haha Clinton Dix has actually gotten to play that deep role that Jackson played last year. And that's been really good for Dix. And to be super fair to Chuck Pagano, if you told me to pick which one's going to be straight, play strong safety between Eddie Jackson and Haha Clinton Dix, I'd make the same decision. But... By goodness. I I mean, I'll just come out and say it. This is still it still feels like Eddie Jackson isn't getting to do what made him so special last season. And you saw that in that gamble that he had on that fourth and 18 ball to Daniel Jones, where he he took that first step forward and immediately got beat over the top. And it wasn't a great play. But I mean, it has been I think that, frankly, it was uh, it was very descriptive of what his whole season this year has looked like.
2: Yeah, it's true. We have talked about this on Bears Over Beers, that exactly what you said. Between the two safeties, they both play the pass pretty well, but who plays better around the line? And that's Jackson, so you move him up. And that's a good team decision, but it's not necessarily great for Eddie Jackson because he doesn't get those... He doesn't get the chance to exhibit those cornerback skills to go pick off those wounded ducks to really show his return skills, which, look, he was a returner at Alabama. He's got great skills once he gets the ball in his hands. He's not seeing those opportunities, but he is getting a chance to do a couple of things he didn't get to do as much last year. Uh, We saw that in the Rams game. He blitzed. He had a couple tackles for loss. He looked fired up for the first time all year. So it's the best setup. Given the current personnel, is it the best setup overall in terms of what Eddie Jackson needs? It's not. He's a great deep third safety in the mold of a guy like Earl Thomas. He's probably better there. But, you know, if you had to do the reverse, if you had to play ha, Clinton Dix close to the line, would that be better for the defense? It would be okay. I don't know that it would be better. So, yeah, Pagano's made the best choice. Is that the best thing for Eddie Jackson overall? Probably not, but it's the best thing for the Bears in 2019, and that's just a tough spot to be in.
1: It is. One thing that I can't help but take away from this game, and I want to hear what you think about this because it very well might elicit a laugh. If I told you the story of this game, but before the Bears season to where you didn't know, you weren't allowed to know what the record was going to be coming into it. And I told you that... Coming off of a tough loss against the Rams that carried with it major playoff-related ramifications, uh, the Bears squeezed out a win 14-19 to that actually felt a little bit ever so slightly less close than the score dictated it was. In that game, Trubisky threw 278, uh, one, touched, or one touchdown in the air, one touchdown on the ground with two interceptions, and thank heavens the Giants kicker missed twice because the Bears were able to squeeze out that 14-19 win. I don't know about you, but I could very easily have seen a world where this Bears team, had they been performing up to the caliber that we had expected them, may very well have had a down game and just had to squeak out a win. This actually did look like a game where... OK, not everybody came to Soldier Field focused, but you know what? We're glad that we scraped out a win on to next week. But given the circumstances, given that that's not how the Bears season is gone, I do feel like this game is being reacted to very differently for performance that we might have considered, you know, a down a down game, but we'll come back from it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. In And we talked about this a little bit last week on Bears over Bears in terms of, uh, and you talked about it as well in the last bear with me of, of the benefit of the doubt being gone. If you're not creating those good plays, if you're not regularly stacking wins, if you're not making good decisions, regardless of how they turn out, if you're making decisions that people question all the time, this thing starts to snowball and it's certainly snowballed with Nagy and Trubisky and really the whole offense, a little bit of the whole team. Um, they're not going to get any breaks. So in, in, You're absolutely right. If this performance had come in a year where they were rolling and they'd squeaked out a win at home and everybody kind of wiped their brow and said, phew, we got away from a bad team at home. (laughs) The other kicker screwed up for once. Um, Pinero looked really solid. Um, You know, people would just be like, nah, slough it off. Go to next week. It's no big deal. It happens. You know, teams polish off the wins they should get at home. Good enough. Let's go. But that's not the situation we're in. The Bears are struggling mightily on pretty much all fronts, and everything's going to get questioned. So the fact that they only beat a team as bad as the Giants by X number of points, single digits at home, is going to be scrutinized more than it would be in a year that was
1: medium to decent. Absolutely. And you mentioned the benefit of the doubt, and I I have to acknowledge this or else I would feel, frankly, as if I uh, didn't have any integrity as I don't know what we call ourselves, a blogger, media personnel. I don't know. Whatever. But but this week, I know one of my main critiques of Matt Nagy was I think we are starting to know what Trubisky is. You can't keep running the same offense that's so quarterback reliant with a quarterback that struggles with exactly the aspects that you need in a West Coast offense operator. That when considering that his biggest issue seems to be reading the field and especially distributing the ball accurately, you you might need to find another offense. And my suggestion was a simple one because it's something that I'd seen them use uh, was to mix in a couple more I-formation looks, mainly because it seemed as if the offense ran better, and I'm talking on the ground, out of that eye formation. And if you could squeeze out more consistent, like two, three, four, five yard gains on the ground, maybe you could work in some play action stuff. Well, there's nothing more heartbreaking than getting what you asked for and it not working. Because the Giants slammed on or like they slammed the Bears on every type of rushing we tried to throw at them. Like you're saying. We cracked off even a 10-yard gain to Montgomery that looked really nice. But you better believe I was counting. And the Bears used probably, like, almost a third of their offense today was in the pure eye, or they used a lot of offset eye looks. And it just didn't help. It didn't change anything. And that was that was hard to watch because you want to—I'm sure you're in this position, too— you want to have some kind of clear solution. You want to be able to say, hey, "It's the quarterback." You want to be able to say, "Ah, it's because the coach isn't fixed or isn't fixing this or that." But when you when you offer a solution, and the Bears go out and underperform against a team that nobody's going to consider a fabulous football team in those types of formations, I mean, you start to wonder what's going on. Our rushing leader today was Tariq Cohen with 25 yards on six carries. And I'm going to pull out somebody that I have no idea what your reaction is. Kareth oh, don't, White. don't. Uh, Kareth White outgained us <laughs> with yeah, uh, 43 I saw that yards I
2: actually, actually posted it on Twitter. I saw that scroll that he had 41 yards on five carries in his first week with his new team. And Jonathan Wood, who we know and love, uh, brought up the fact that, hey, it's against the Bengals. That hardly counts as NFL competition, which is true. It is uh, true. But it's a little rough to see a, a guy from the practice squad go to another team. His first week with that team end up ripping off basically eight yards of carry. Um, you know, I get it. Uh, it doesn't make it any easier to swallow. One thing to remember in particular— That a lot of fans won't see because the Giants aren't a good team, and this actually might be one of the reasons that they aren't a good team, is that their GM collects defensive linemen like baseball cards. That's true. Gettleman will always draft a defensive lineman, always, 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 and even to his detriment, if they're available, he will draft them. So the, the giants are never short of defensive line talent and that's going to stuff a running game more times than not. Quite frankly, if the bears come in with a line underperforming as much as it has and you stack some defen- decent defensive line talent against it, they're not going to look good on the ground. Um, is that unfortunate? Yeah, it's definitely unfortunate. Um, the bears came out with a win anyways I'd love to say it all works out in the wash. The one thing I was happiest about today on offense was Allen Robinson said, okay, enough with the drops. We're going to go catch some balls. We're going to take the game over. We're going to look like an all pro again. Just so y'all didn't forget that I'm absolutely killing it this year. I'm going to I'm gonna put this game on my shoulders and make it look that way. And And that was great to see because the last couple of weeks, he's had more drops than he's had really all season. He's looked like he was slipping a little bit from what I considered an incredibly high level of play. And this week, he got his crap back together. He grabbed all the balls that were thrown to him. He ended up you know, scoring It's great. It, Allen Robinson had a very good bounce back game.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Allen Robinson is the kind of player who today had 131 yards uh, receiving, and that's with a 50-yarder called back. Uh, And that's only on six catches, by the way, 10 targets. So, I mean, you could make the argument that he could have had even more. Uh, But, I mean, he was certainly dicing him up well enough. He really has been the shining star for the Bears. He's exactly the kind of guy that, look, I'm not wanting in this moment for the bears to cap constrain themselves any more than they have to but especially given how the uh, quarterback situation looks and the only only silver lining being that i guess come 2021 2022 we're probably not handing out a 35 million dollar quarterback deal are we but i mean hey we'll see i'd say that tongue-in-cheek but I do think that it's about dang time you pay Alan Robinson some money because he has been the only thing this Bears offense could count on all season long. And in a culture that, to my understanding, Ryan Pace wants to set up as one that rewards the players that perform for him. That's a guy who has performed for you. And if you were going to reward him, you better believe I'd be OK with it.
2: Yeah, he's an alpha. He is a true number one um, something I was reminded of today that shocks me a little bit, just because it seems like he's been around a long time. He's 26, mm-hmm. and you know he's a dominant physical force. He plays like a leader. He talks like a leader. Um, he backs up what he says on the field. Uh, those are rare guys in the wide receiver ranks. Forget it in the NFL ranks. When you get a guy like that that you know puts his money where his mouth is week in and week out. Yeah, fine. Put your money there. Uh, It's a big deal. The NFL is a passing league. It is a quarterback centric league and you need somebody to catch those targets and Allen Robinson's your guy. So yeah, if they did it, I'd be totally fine with it.
1: Another player that I think is worth mentioning because I thought he had a really solid game today and frankly, has had a better season than I think Bears fans have uh, have really noticed because you don't think about your punter much, but Pat (laughs) O'Donnell delivered, which was a little strange because certainly he was one of the more curious extensions of the offseason. I know there were plenty of people, including myself, that were a little torn on how to feel about handing out that kind of money to a position that's generally considered fairly replaceable, but Pat O'Donnell had one punt that I remember he just destroyed the ball. Uh, That was the one after the classic Nagy field flip thing where he leaves his offense out on a play where there's no way the Offense is going for it, right? Well, they didn't. And Pat banged that thing down to the five-yard line. He had another one that landed on the two. Uh, he had, I believe, another one inside the five, or at least inside the ten. I mean, he punted well today. And no, that doesn't add you like, you know, a one win a season in in the world of like baseball style war. But it was helpful that in a game where the Bears punted more than we probably would have liked, uh the, that our punts were able to push Daniel Jones in a position where he and his offense had to actually create something instead of just catching a break.
2: Yeah, they made him earn it. And your point is valid. Um, good old mega punt is one of the few guys I can think of that has performed much better, like markedly better after a big money extension. And yes, I say tongue in cheek, big money, cause it's a punter, but um, he got paid in the offseason, and usually when guys get paid and they are secure, they tend to slack off. That contract year is mm-hmm. really the year that they go off. Um, wasn't the case for him, and this year, yes, he has been quietly excellent as a punter for the Bears. And quite frankly, the Bears need him more than ever because the offense is not. Producing. Therefore, the field position game is even more important. Um, And he has not shirked that responsibility at all. More times than not, he has dropped uh, consistently decent um, both field position
1: and distance punts. That's a thing. Yes, it is. Now, we are nearing the end of our time, so I guess we'll take a, look, a quick look forward, very, very quick look forward. Are there any thoughts after this game that you have about the Lions game uh, as far as who to watch for? Are, is there any performance that you want to see, any changes that come to mind? Uh, and, of course, this is right after the game, so it is. I will say the... Uh, Let's call it the most fluid time for analysis because we don't have <laughs> all the all 22 that we need to make concrete takes of any kind. But here we are on another short week. It looks like we very well be facing Jeff Driscoll again, though I don't know anything, who I believe just lost to the Redskin, uh, Washington, which yeah. should, you know, <laughs> that should tell you. Yeah, that's you a
2: bad find. thing, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> That's not great to lose to the Redskins right now is is pretty rough. Uh, It would be equivalent to losing to the Giants. Um, A bit sorry to say that both of those teams (laughs) are in the NFC East. Um, Sounds like Stafford may get shut down. Sounds like uh, the first little hedging started coming out of Detroit today that, hey, his injury might be serious enough, and the Lions wow. really aren't contending. So those are the kind of reports that start to sort of soften the field for, hey, we're going to shut Matt Stafford down for the year. I'm not saying it's going to happen. What I am saying is I wouldn't be surprised if it does. That means Jeff Driscoll, the Bears have a pretty good book on Driscoll. They just played him a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't know if Carryon Johnson's going to be back. Uh, if he is again, the bears plan is very, very similar. Shut down Johnson. Don't let him take over the game. Don't let him dictate down and distance in terms of yardage, put the ball back in Driscoll's hands and then really go after Kenny Galladay as a big play threat and, and lock him down with pretty much double on most plays because none of the other lions receivers are really a huge threat. Um, if they can manage that, They've got a pretty good chance at victory because the Lions are, I don't want to say toothless, but um, they're they're not killing people right now and they're not a well-balanced team. So if the Bears can do those two things, they've got a pretty good plan for victory.
1: That's one thing that I think is a little hard to hard to remember about the Giants this year. Or, well, not the Giants, the Lions this year. They are a team that especially after they uh, traded Quandre Diggs uh, that lost a lot of its defensive swagger. Uh, I think that's the guy who got traded. You probably it remember is. the name better. Yep. Perfect. No. Glad I got that right. Uh, yep. Thank you, brain. You mm- a UDFA. Gosh, <laughs> he's he's a solid player, really solid yeah. player. But so they put a ton of their weight this this year on Matt Stafford, and to think that of course right before the Bears game, probably one of the more innocuous injury reports, surprising injury reports that I I just about heard that week that Stafford wasn't playing comes out, and now weeks later it looks like he may not play again this year. That's that's obviously a massive blow to the Lions. And hey, I'll be honest. I'll take any win we can get, because this Bears team is, I think at this point, uh, just they need to remember how to win. Uh, which is obviously a hoity-toity, coach-speak way of saying, I think the Bears need to just not go on some massive losing streak. And it almost doesn't matter how they do it anymore. If they ran like a run-and-shoot offense and Mitch had 125 passing yards, but 250 rushing yards, uh, not going to happen, but I just wouldn't care anymore. I mean, there's a point where... Matt Nagy needs to remind this team that he is in charge and that this thing isn't going to get out of control. And even just evening that record at six and six, Jeff Driscoll or not, that feels a lot better than four and eight, five and seven, tons of the other records that you could be in the NFL, of course, before you host one of the more offensively like fire powerful teams in the NFL in the Dallas Cowboys. Um, it'll be a very, I I, th- I find this. One of the weirder bear seasons that I've watched, given the uh, the massive disappointment, the expectations coming into this year. And now, I mean, goodness, we have five games left in the season. We're talking like, you know, it's the last two weeks of the year like uh, in terms of just attitude and uh, the stakes of the season we have left. We've got quite a bit of football left to play. I mean, it's not Thanksgiving yet. And that's what's made this year so interesting. But like like the whole joke about watching a train wreck, I can't take my eyes off of it because, I mean, what a weird game we have here that Allen Robinson puts up this fabulous stat line. I mean, standout stat line once again in a game where the Bears defense caught the breaks that they needed to. I don't know if you, I'm sure you saw it. Uh, Daniel Jones's hand injury looked like it caused some problems there in that last drive, that wide open throw on second and four, I believe it was that he missed, looked entirely like a product of the bloodied up hand. Uh, And I mean, hey, the Bears squeeze a win out. And I guess at this point, I'm just willing to take it.
2: Yeah, you mentioned something I want to go back to, which is Mitch's running. He ran today like he hasn't run all season. Agreed. And that element, that addition to the Bears, I actually tweeted it out, carried them all day from the small first downs to the threat to keep people in the middle to hold linebackers. For him taking off in that end zone run, looks like it might be a safety. He ends up getting fairly easy first down. We forget how athletic Mitch Trubisky is. And he reminded us today, and it was a good thing. And it really carried the Bears, sustained a few drives that otherwise, uh, previously this year, have ended in disappointment, had ended in, you know, third and long or a sack or a safety or any other number of things. He took off today and it made a huge difference in the offense. He ran four or five times. And it absolutely carried, I'd say, three more drives than it would have in the past. So good to see him get back to that level of confidence where he can just, hey, this isn't working and take off. I'd much rather see that than either folding in the pocket for a sack or even running to the sideline and throwing it away, which I'd like to see some of those times or running out of bounds for like a one yard loss, which is not Mm -hmm. great. He just popped up the middle of the day and took three or four chances Um, ended up getting a bunch of yards. Um, let's see, where's my running yards? Uh, Mitch Trubisky, seven rushes for 18 yards, which doesn't sound like a great average, but several of them were pretty impactful. So I'm glad he's looking for that. I'm glad he's adding that back into his game. It carries the game in terms of momentum. And like you said, any way the bears can get it right now, if they can get it with Mitchell Trubisky running. I'm fine with it. If the middle of the field's wide open and the defense is leaving that because he hasn't picked it up all year and he goes and takes it, great. Maybe next time they leave a linebacker in and you get a better better gain on a screen. So uh, just one of those things that popped up today that we haven't seen all year that Trubisky did differently. And, you know, if he keeps adding pieces together, is he going to be great? No, he's not. We're past that. Is he going to be good enough to win games against bad teams? I hope so. And with the Lions coming up, he's going to need to continue that.
1: Hey, I mean, exactly like you're talking about, with the way that the Bears were operating, trying to keep Trubisky from getting hit ever, I have to imagine that in week one, week two, there's no way they call that quarterback run to the right-hand side that they did against the Giants, but that thing worked like a Thing of beauty in this game. And I really do think that, like you're saying, it adds an element to the Bears offense that is sorely missing elements. We don't really have a ground game to offer. We don't really have reliable throwing to offer. So at least if we can get the quarterback moving, we can make a lot work with that. Today certainly did look like the uh, that Mitch Trubisky's injury, that hip pointer seemed to be affecting him ever so slightly. Lightly, maybe I'm crazy here, but there was a rollout play, I remember that was defended on a high low where when he planted and started to run, I distinctly noticed that that wasn't near as fast as he's normally able to get up and go.
2: But no, he took that sack early in the game though, where he came up hobbling and I'm right. Oh, that's the one like he got folded down as he was, he twisted down going to the right hand side, which is where that, that hip pony was supposed to be. And I thought, Oh, and he came up, he sort of held his hand up. He limped a little bit. He put his hand on it. I thought, oh, that's just not great early in the game. And Chase Daniel started warming up immediately. And I thought, oh, please don't let me go through, you know, two thirds of a game of Chase Daniel experience here. I just don't want that on a Sunday. Um, Anyways, Trubisky toughed it out. Another credit to him said, I'm going to shake that off. I'm going to play well. Continued to to be effective throughout the game, effective enough for Nagy and the Bears to leave him in the game, and and that was a good thing overall. Turns out they get a win out of it, but yeah, it's, it's still there. For everybody that said Trubisky wasn't injured last week, I would have you go back and look at A, the All-22, and B, that sack early in the Giants game, and it definitely shows that he's not quite right.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I, on on bears of er won't well, on bear with me. Last week, I went after Nagy for pulling him. I thought it was a joke, uh, the way that he handled the situation. But I know the more that I walked or er, walked back through the tape, the injury seemed to be there. I mean, whether pulling Daniel was the right or er, pulling Trubisky was the right decision or not, that could be discussed, and you could discuss that up and down. But this Bears season has been so weird, and I'm sure it's been just emotionally so, dis- like just horror. Er, I the word I guess just comes up to mind is disappointing and different than Nagy certainly expected it to be. And I do think that a lot of that falls on him, but that's more for a different podcast. Uh, In this case, whether he left him in or not, I don't know, but the injury seemed to be a thing like there. It was hard to watch that game and not see evidence of, um, you know, at minimum, like some sort of hip bruise that was bothering Trubisky. He showed it. Uh, This game, I thought he did enough. Uh, if he was playing at, like, an extraordinarily high level, I would have called this a down game. Uh, at the level that he's been playing at, I would call it, um, you know, a pretty good game. It's it's funny, because I don't like the stat passer rating. Uh, I don't. I do think that it's sort of an arbitrary calculation. If you ask me, I prefer air net yards uh, per attempt. But I did find it interesting that in this performance where he threw for over 250 yards, he did have a touchdown. It did come at the cost of two interceptions. That passer rating calculation is a 68.9, which is not good. And it's funny because that I feel like has sort of been the story almost in that some of Mitchell Trubisky's better games, even them, they're statistically not relevant this year. And it's tough because last year he had these Fabulous games like Tampa Bay. He had fabulous games like that second game against Detroit. And in this, this year, the best that he's gotten is, you know, that game against Detroit against the Jeff Driscoll led Lions, where he got a whole lot of man to man coverage and it really worked in his favor. But I I really am curious to see over these next five games what we're going to see out of Trubisky, how much help Matt Nagy is and isn't going to offer him, what that's going to look like. Can the rest of the team kind of pick pick up what they're doing, like the drops, the penalties, the blown blocks here and there, like the run blocking in general? I mean, there's a lot to not like on this offensive side Mm -hmm. of the ball. Uh, And I'm really, really curious to see what they're able to do with it going forward. There's a great
2: many small things that this offense doesn't do well, that really contribute to the downfall of the offense overall. He talked about the offensive line run blocking. Um, I go back to that play with Broniker where he absolutely just sets that football, like a volleyball setter. He popped that thing like 15 feet in the air. If somebody doesn't get a pick on that, it's really on them at that point. Like that's right. not a replay that your receivers, can have you make now, if you're going into the calculations, like you said, that's a pick on Trubisky, the ball was on Broniker and yes, it, it wasn't a great ball, but it's going to go on Mitch and against his rating and it's going to look terrible. And the same thing, if you can't run the ball on second down for four or five yards, it puts the quarterback in third and long, he's off pace and he's challenging to make a throw that maybe he's not super well equipped to make. Now, do NFL quarterbacks have to make that throw? They do, but if you make them make that throw every time, they're not going to succeed as often as you'd like. So if the offense does the little things and polishes it up, his rating looks a lot better, and this is a team failure. He hasn't been Mm -hmm. outstanding by himself, but he hasn't been getting a ton of support either with the drops, with batted balls, with holes not opening up for the run game. All those things affect how well quote unquote, Trubisky plays, um, I'm not saying Trubisky has played great. He hasn't. He's been in the bottom, I'd say, fifth of the league in terms of quarterbacking. Right. But look, if the rest of the team, it's still a team game. And if the team doesn't hold you up, you're not going to succeed on a regular basis. You will occasionally, but that's not good enough in the NFL.
1: That's something I think is worth just stating and then restating. If you ask me right now, is Mr. Trubisky playing well? I would tell you straight up, no. If Could Mitch Trubisky be supported better? Absolutely. If Mitchell Trubisky was supported better, do I think he'd be playing better? I'd tell you statistically probably, but in the world of actual quarterbacking performance, I'm not so sure. A lot of his issues have been, if you will, on him, if that makes sense. Ball placement problems, field reading problems, the lack of running-like game, but again, different podcasts, and probably, frankly, been discussed ad nauseum. The sequence that I think... I'm not going to say it's defined this Bears season, but if there was one that you would point at and say that that is what's wrong with this offense, it was that late drive where I believe the bear or Trubisky completed a quick pass. Maybe it was a run that got us to about second and one. And from there we took a snap And we handed it off in the offset uh, formation and we lost a yard on the ground. Now we're looking at third and and a longer one, Uh, maybe third and two. And the Bears took a shotgun snap, handed off their running back, and he got jammed at the line again. Now it's fourth down. I mean, two downs that are supposed to be extremely advantageous to the offense. And we tried to give anything to the running game in two totally different styles of blocking more than likely and we couldn't get a yard Man, like it, it that, that to me has to be because then the announcers of course came over and they mentioned that the bears are now a harrowing six and 15 in those third and one situations which is outstandingly bad i mean that is shockingly bad it's it has that has been a story that I know tons of bears fans have talked to me about. It's hard to ignore at this point that when Trubisky does need some help, regardless of how well he's played in the world of it's a team game. This is a team offense that creates a team effort. Like I kind of said on Twitter today, it takes a village to struggle this much on offense and, the Bears' running game has been so unbelievably unreliable, if not reliably bad, that I can't imagine that sits well with the team overall, let alone our young quarterback's confidence.
2: Yeah, I, I reposted, retweeted something on Twitter today um, that was Greg Cassell looking at what Kyle Shanahan does with the 49ers offense. And it's all little things, and he posted a great play where Debo Samuel, the wide receiver, motions into the backfield. The defense reacts to that. He's in an offset um, beside the quarterback, almost a pistol formation, and they've got their fullback in the slot. And everybody thinks, okay, they're going to give the little pitch sweep to Debo Samuel here, and their fullback's going to block. And the defense reacts that way. Well, it turns out the fullback is not the primary blocker. He turns out to be the primary receiver. So he puts his hands on his guy and then just pivots the other way. And because his guy was lighting into him saying, hey, I'm going to oppose you because I know they're going to pitch to Samuel and you're out here as a blocker. Everybody dives in and their fullbacks open by five yards. And it's a quick little like five, six yard slip pass that goes for like 12 yards That's all from formation. That's all from motion. It's all from setup and tendency and telling the defense, we're going to show you this. Oh, nope. We're going to do this and, and setting them up that way. And the bears offense does so little of that. So few of those little things to put their players in advantageous positions that really put the defense um, off stride. The defense can play, lazily against the bears and still cover most of the field because the defense, it's not getting fooled by any of what Matt Nagy's offense is doing for the most part. Nagy's not doing a great service to the players he has on the field by setting them up with situations like that and saying, Oh, it looks like this, but we're going to do that. It's much more predictable than that. And the end result is those things stack and then you get things like penalties on top of that or poor execution, even when the call is decent. And what you get is the 2019 Bear season.
1: And I mean, goodness, I know so many people I've talked about and I've heard so much about and I've watched so much of Kyle Shanahan's 49ers. It is night and day what he's able to do there. And don't get me wrong. You could easily point out and say, I mean, hey, that fullback we're talking about is Kyle Juszczyk, and he's one of the best in the league. With totally. That's it. But, but... He's in position to succeed, exactly like you talked about. I mean, don't get me wrong. Execution issues have plagued the Bears. No coach draws up a drop. Uh, but, like you're talking about, it's. I think it's always a mark of a team that's struggling. When you look at the team and you say, if everything doesn't go perfectly, we're going to fail. And... That's where the Bears have been. I mean, for crying out loud, there are some drives where you could make the argument if everything goes perfectly, we end up with a field goal because there's just, you almost assume something's just going to break somewhere. But either way, we have quickly run out of time. It is always a joy talking to you, EJ. Do you have any final thoughts on this game, the season overall? What you got?
2: Uh, I'm glad they beat the giants. If they hadn't, it would certainly be a rougher week, uh, on both this podcast and bears over beers. It's nice to have the W regardless of how they got it. Um, they're looking at another winnable game with the lions. Um, I would like to see them execute the way that they can, even on a medium level. It'd be nice if a couple of things happen. Pinheiro keeps hitting his kicks. That's a big deal in the NFL, uh, especially when you're playing tight games like the Bears are. They're not going to blow anybody out. They need those points. Um, It was really nice to see Allen Robinson rebound. That was one of my highlights in last week. Bears over Bears. was let's have Allen Robinson come back from a couple of sort of mediocre weeks and reassert dominance. He definitely did that. Trubisky held up his end of the bargain for the most part. If there's anything I really want to see against the Lions, it's I would like to see some run-blocking gel on the offensive line and Montgomery not get hit at the line or one yard behind it consistently. Everybody's on Montgomery for not having a great rookie season. I get that. He's playing extremely hard. He's shown great skills. He had some great pass-blocking pickups today. Um, he can certainly catch the ball. He's a very talented young guy nobody's going to put up great stats when you're getting smacked in the backfield every play. I would like to see some decent holes or a couple early in this game, and he looked like a great running back at that point. So if anything I want to see against the Lions, which will be tough, they have a very good defensive line. I'd like to see the offensive line pry open a couple of holes and Montgomery take advantage.
1: I think that's one thing that really has stuck out to me. I have to throw this in there because it's it's just worth mentioning. Anytime the Bears have played any special defensive lineman, He has destroyed the whole game plan. And don't get me wrong, there's something to be said about how I'll name some guys' names. Fletcher Cox, really good defensive lineman. Snacks Harrison, really good defensive lineman. Aaron Donald, do I even have to say it? I mean, but that said, it is sort of the mark of a bad offensive line that every time you play one of those special players, you can't cancel them out. The NFL is known for being able to take something away from you. And if the Bears are able to manufacture solid run blocking against Snax Harrison, that'll surprise me because he destroyed them last game almost single-handedly. Threw around Rashad Coward in particular like he wasn't even there in plenty of cases. And I mean, James Daniels hasn't been fabulous in that run blocking either, but let's be honest, none of them have. This offensive line was built to pass, not to run, and that has shown itself a little bit too clearly, Uh, but overall, like you said, a win is way better than a loss. These are the sorts of games very similar to when we played Washington earlier this year, where it's two teams that are struggling, going up against each other to prove which one is struggling more, and... When you can win those games, it is a way better feeling than the conversation that, of course, we have to have if you lose. Because if you do lose, I mean, all of a sudden, who are you going to blame? Like, it, is it all Nagy's fault? Is it the defense's fault? Are we suddenly calling for Chuck Pagano's something or other? Like, it's it's just a way worse week, let's be honest, uh, when you're sitting in one of those games where it's like, well, we weren't supposed to lose, but we did anyways. Uh, thankfully... We get another Lions game next week. Then, if we can win that one, we can. It's not. It's not even about a win streak. It's not about stacking wins. It's about saying, okay, the Bears are mediocre, which is maybe a little better than I thought they were there for a second. And uh, I mean, this this team hasn't looked good. I doubt that they're suddenly going to pop off and look great against teams like the Vikings, the Packers, the Chiefs. But you know what? I'll take the wins where I can get them. Uh, and at this point at five and six, looking across the, uh, looking across the aisle at maybe 500, not so bad, (laughs) but anyways, EJ, thank you so much for coming on. It is always a pleasure having you. Where can everybody who's listening,
2: find your work? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure to be on. You can find me at Windy City Gridiron. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at The Draftsman FB, as in football. And we've got a weekly podcast, as we've mentioned a couple of times, Bears Over Beers, with my home, uh, co-host, Jeff Berkus. Um, that's generally where you'll find most of my stuff. And occasionally I show up on you know, radio shows or other podcasts like this, um, and that's all good fun.
1: And you know what, Bears fans, I would definitely keep an eye out because as we start to hit the backstretch of this NFL season and let alone the start of ha ha ha, the off season. Whether I work with him or whether he does it himself, I think it's safe to say this is probably going to be one of Ryan Pace's most important draft classes that he's ever had. And guys like EJ and our own Jacob Infante are going to be right there providing you the best draft coverage that you're going to find that's Bears related in the NFL, I think. And so, I mean, come that part of the season, we're going to need you, EJ. (laughs) We're all going to be looking to you. Well, we'll be here.
2: Uh, You know, every draft is important, but you're right. This one could have a few more critical components. Um, We'll see how the quarterback um, conversation in general in Chicago shakes out. I certainly don't think Trubisky is the primary answer going into 2020. And if that's the case, um, who knows? I might just take a year off football. Uh, But no, happy to provide that with guys like Jacob. And uh, many other great draft contributors on Twitter, but uh, we'll see what Pace does. He's been above average in the draft and he's going to need to be again this year. Heck yeah. Well, thanks
1: again for coming on, EJ. Pleasure having you. Yeah, anytime. And that, Bears fans, is all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I know I certainly enjoyed talking about a Bears win much more than a Bears loss. If you like what I have to say, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. And also you can find plenty of my work at Windy City Gridiron or YouTube where I often try to put out some kind of film analytical breakdown on a week-to-week basis that'll have something to do with the game that just happened. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me.